So I'm going to read to you today from Acts chapter 14, and uh, actually Acts chapter 13, I'm sorry, uh, Acts chapter 13, uh, starting at verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mania, a member of the court of Herod, the ruler, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John also to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they met a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man who summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. But the magician Elymas, for that is the translation of his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now listen, the hand of the Lord is against you, and you will be blind for a while, unable to see the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he went about groping for someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. God, we thank you for this passage. We ask that you would guide us as we spend time in your word, that you would speak clearly to us, that we would understand what this meant back in the time of Barnabas and Saul, and also what it means for us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It was just a, a few months ago, in fact it was just near the end of May, that it was the 20th anniversary of my ordination. Now it's something that's kind of interesting about that and how it all worked out is I was raised Anglican and so in our Anglican tradition uh, ministers are referred to as father and so my dad uh, he was in, in his head he just he loved the idea of his son the father and he would uh, as we were approaching the, the ordination he's like all excited about father Steve and I'm like dad you know I'm Baptist we don't we don't do father it didn't matter it was all about father Steve well it ended up just the way it worked that in the uh, April of 2001 uh, 
our firstborn son, Logan, was born, and so I became a father, and just a month later, I became a reverend through my ordination. So technically, my dad was almost right. I didn't become a father and a reverend close to the same time, but just not the way he thought. And that was just a, a great time. I still remember that service. It was my very last service at Queensway Baptist Church in Brantford. Uh, that's the church that I had been serving during my supervision for ordination. And I had uh, just gotten a job at Mount Hamilton Baptist. And I was going to start that the next week. But I really wanted to be ordained at uh, Queensway, the church that had meant so much to me through that. In fact, Queensway was the church that we were attending just before we came to, to Queen Street. And I still can't believe that I never mixed up the names. Uh, I'm sure that uh, I thought that I would do that, but it, it never did happen. But it was just a, a, a great moment in my life. And it's hard to believe that that was 20 years ago. There, there was so much that led up to that point. There were different ways in which God was speaking to me to, to let me know that I was called into pastoral ministry. Uh, part of it was I was attending uh, what was then Central Gospel Temple here in St. Catharines. That's the church I was attending at the time. And there were people there who were encouraging me in my gifts for ministry and I had opportunities to, to lead Bible studies and to uh, help in the youth group and to do numerous other things. I was also involved with Brock Christian Fellowship uh, here at Brock, uh, Brock University and uh, people were encouraging me in my ministry gifts there. And I also went on to a, a short-term mission trip through Operation Mobilization and spent some time in London, England. And that was a big part of it as well. And all of that ended up leading to that, that night in May of uh, 2021, or 20, 2001, uh, where I was ordained and people laid hands upon me. And that was very, very special. But as special as that was, it also feeds in a little bit into a misconception that people have. And that misconception is that there are two classes of Christian. There are the clergy who have these real special gifts. And there's the, the lay people who are just kind of there and, you know, well, they put some money in the plate and they help pay for the clergy. But really uh, what the church is doing, it's really about the clergy. They're that sort of uh, upper class of the Christian. And that is not the case at all. That is not biblical. Um, yes, there are certain people who go off to Bible college, who go off to seminary, who receive some specific uh, theological training, but even then, oftentimes people will do that and not become clergy. There are many lay people who just want to learn about the Bible, who just want to learn about theology, who just want to uh, sharpen their ministry skills, but do not want to be a pastor, uh, do, do not want to be ordained. There are many other people who never go through that training and yet are extremely gifted and the church relies on them completely and that is so important and so we have to realize that that is an artificial division in fact uh, it's a it's a protestant belief but baptists have really uh, grabbed a hold of this idea of the priesthood of all believers that um, we all have equal standing before god now usually when we talk about the priesthood of believers we focus on the idea that we all have uh, equal access to God. So you don't have to come to me 
because I have a reverend in front of my name uh, to say, you know, Steve, can you tell God that this is what I need? And then I have this inside connection that will get it through. It doesn't work that way. You have as much access to God as I do. But the other side of that is we all are responsible for ministry as well. We have a priestly rule for ministry in whatever way that looks like. Now, this passage that we've read, the uh, calling of Barnabas and Saul and the laying on of hands, and this is part of actually where the, the whole uh, ceremony and the liturgy for ordination comes from, uh, this might give us the impression that, yes, there are those Christians, and then there are certain other Christians who are chosen by God to do the ministry. But I hope to show you that that's not exactly what this passage is talking about. We're going to see that uh, what happened to Barnabas and Saul is something that is applicable to all of us. So let's just look at this passage. Uh, this is continuing the story of what had been happening in Antioch. And we've seen over the past number of weeks that God was doing some amazing things. There were a lot of Gentile believers who were coming to faith. Uh, Jerusalem was very interested. They were sending people uh, to check this out. This is becoming a, a center of the of what God was doing in that area. And so uh, some prophets were coming and some other people, leaders were there and they really wanted to discern what God was doing. So they spent time in prayer, they were fasting and they were listening to God, which is very important. They were listening to what the Holy Spirit would say to them. And the Holy Spirit did speak. The Holy Spirit told them to set aside Barnabas and Saul for a certain role. Now, this is where we have to pay very close attention. What the Holy Spirit here was saying was not that, okay, I want you to start calling them Reverend Barnabas and Reverend Saul because they are now being called into full-time ministry. That is not what's happening. What's happening is the Holy Spirit is choosing them for a certain mission, a certain task for them to perform. And so they spend some more time in prayer and they spend more time fasting and then off Barnabas and Saul go to Cyprus. And this is the, if you want to think of them as being ordained, they're being ordained to go to Cyprus to do this particular mission, to do this task, to serve in this way. So they, they travel to Cyprus, they go to uh, Salamis, which is a city in Cyprus, and they begin to preach the gospel. And they encounter a Roman named Sergius Paulus, who is very influential, very uh, important person in that society there. And so this would open up a lot of doors if they could really connect with him. Uh, the problem is that they, they face some opposition. There was this, this false prophet, this uh, magician that was there. And so he opposed uh, Barnabas and Saul, but just because they, they faced opposition, they didn't give up. And this is, again, something that is really important. So often, Christians think that you can discern God's will by how easy everything is coming. So if something happens really easily, then that must be God saying to you, uh, this is what you're supposed to do. 
And if you face obstacles, if you face opposition, that must be God shutting the door, saying that you're not supposed to do that. But that's not biblical. That's not what we see in these passages. Uh, Saul and Barnabas faced opposition. They didn't say, oh, well, if this magician doesn't want us doing this, I guess that's God saying we shouldn't be doing it. Uh, no, they, they were convinced that what they were doing was called by God. And so they believed the same Holy Spirit that called them would empower them and equip them for this ministry. And so they were able to, uh, to uh, deal with this magician and put a stop to that. And so what we see in this story, the basic principles, is that the Holy Spirit chose Barnabas and Saul for a task and sent them where they needed to go. And they faced opposition, but that opposition did not mean that was the end of their task. It just meant that the same Spirit who led them there was going to help them to get through that opposition and through those difficulties. And so those are important principles that we're going to try to apply further. And I'm going to do something that I've done in the last number of passages, because I think it's helpful for us as we're looking at Acts, to look at how this applies, uh, first of all, for us as individuals, and then for us as a congregation. I, I think it's helpful to look through both of those, those lenses. So the assumption that we might bring to this passage is, that God looked at Barnabas and Saul and saw that they were gifted uh, in certain ways more than the other Christians that were there at Antioch. And so he was going to raise them up to a certain level, put them in a certain class in which they would be able to serve in a more important way. But that is not really what was going on. In fact, if you went back in time and presented that interpretation to Barnabas and Saul, they would have no idea what you were talking about. They would say, what do you, what do you mean? Like, God has a rule for all of us. Uh, that their expectation that was that the rest of those Christians back in Antioch, God was leading them to do something. And maybe it was staying in Antioch, maybe it was serving in, in other ways, but God was still going to be using them. They wouldn't see themselves as above the other. They would understand this as about God calling. And God calls us. Uh, God calls us as individuals. It doesn't mean that you necessarily have to go to Bible college or seminary, although that is an option, as I said. And there are other ways for you to get theological training if that is something that you are interested in. But God has different callings for all of us, and they're all important. But you might be asking, and, and this is the kind of thing that goes through my mind when I hear these kind of messages, is how does God call that? It's easy for me to say, well, God calls us to some kind of ministry or a task or something like that. But how do you know that? How can you tell? Um, you know, it can't be just what you want. You could be saying, well, you know, I feel like God has called me to be uh, a billionaire philanthropist. That, that, that sounds like a really good calling. Uh, you know, I, and then I'll be able to uh, support uh, ministry. So God, you know, bring in the billion dollars and, and then let's get going. Uh, you don't get to choose it that way. It's something a lot different. Uh, a lot of it is listening, uh, listening to God. What is God speaking to you? But also listening to 
what people are saying. Uh, where is the encouragement coming? Are people noticing that you are really good in a certain area, that you uh, seem to be effective, that you're making a difference in these areas? Uh, are people recognizing that? That is an important thing. It's the same, it's the same process, the same principles that people who are called into pastoral ministry experience. They recognize uh, the voice of God in the community of faith. Uh, part of it too is how do your gifts uh, fit with the current needs that are around you? Uh, those are, are some of the things. So uh, I do not feel like I have been called to be a singer or a musician because I have no gifts in that way. I don't lay awake at night thinking, you know, is God really calling me to be a, a concert pianist? Uh, I know that, that I can't even play chopsticks. Like I, I am, it's so out of my, my uh, talent and gift area. So I don't worry about that. But in which ways have you been gifted by God? And where is that overlap with the needs that are going on around you and what you see? Those are some of the things that we should be looking for. The other thing that we have to keep in mind is that this isn't all about what we would call churchy things. So when we say that God is calling you to something, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you're called, say, to give your testimony, uh, you know, going around from different church to church or a men's group or a ladies group or youth group or whatever, uh, sharing your testimony. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily gifted in worship music. It doesn't mean that you are necessarily gifted as a public prayer or something like that. There are a lot of things that we don't think of as churchy, which are God's calling. So just one example that comes to my mind is the gift of hospitality. And hospitality by itself doesn't seem religious. I mean, anyone can invite someone into their home. Uh, you don't have to be religious at all, uh, much less a Christian to, to do that. But hospitality is actually one of the most highly respected uh, roles that are found in the Bible. And there are people who are gifted and called to a ministry of hospitality. And I've heard stories even recently of how people have made a difference, a huge difference, many people coming to faith just by inviting people into their homes, inviting them into their lives, getting to know them, being present, and that was their calling. And there are many other callings as well. The calling could be uh, doing repairs on a house. It could be uh, baking. It could be almost anything. What is it that God is calling you to? And the other thing to uh, remember is that when God calls you to a ministry, uh, that doesn't mean that you are in that role until the day that you die. It, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't even work that way for, for pastors. When I first became a pastor, I was convinced that I was going to be a lifelong youth pastor. I thought that was the role that I was going to have. And that is not the case at all. And God has shifted and changed that. I would never have anticipated that I would have a role in military chaplaincy back when I was in seminary. Uh, the way God leads us changes over time. And so you may have a calling, you may have a ministry that lasts for a season. And that's okay. Uh, when that season ends, when that chapter is over, that doesn't mean that you 
are somehow uh, insulting all of the time that you were in that other role. It doesn't mean that you're giving up on God's calling. If he's leading you to a new area, then he's leading you to a new area, and that's okay. So that's how it works for us as individuals. What about as a congregation? There's a sense, unfortunately, that congregations are in competition with each other. So you have a community like St. Catharines, you have only so many people, uh, and it's a fairly small number of that who are interested in issues of faith and who are willing to come out to a church on a Sunday morning. You have this many uh, Christian congregations in the city, so we're in competition. We have to work hard to, to get our slice of the pie so that we can get enough people. But that's not, that's not really the way it is. The truth is that we are all working in cooperation, at least we should be working in cooperation. You can think of the church actually as a multi-site church. We're all part of one church, multi-site. And each of us has a different calling. What we do is not necessarily what the church down the street does. God has a different role for each one of us. I remember at my previous church, we had a young family come in, and this was great because this was a much older church. In fact, at that time, I was the only person in the congregation who was still employed. Everyone else was retired, so it was definitely an older congregation. And this young family with a teenager came. I thought, okay, this is great, but I don't know what they're going to think of us as this older church. But they came for a few weeks, and I wasn't surprised that after about a month, uh, they disappeared. And I'm like, well, I you know. It was nice to have them, but I'm, I'm not completely surprised. And then maybe six months later, they returned. And the mother uh, came to me and said, I just want to let you know that we've decided to make this our church home. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, out of curiosity, why? <laughs> And she said that she went to this other, they went to this other church that was known for their, their vibrant youth ministry. And they were willing to, even though they personally liked our church better, for their teenage son, they thought uh, it would be better to go where there's a vibrant youth ministry. Well, he ended up much preferring this family feel of this small, older church. And it ended up, it was the teenager who really wanted to come back to our church. And so they came and they uh, became a part of our church. And I'm still uh, in touch with that, uh, that young man uh, who wanted to come to our church. So that doesn't mean that we were better than that other church. We had families that left our church and went to that church. Uh, they had a certain role. They had a certain calling. We had a certain calling. They filled out, filled, uh, fulfilled theirs in a certain way. We fulfilled ours in a certain way. Uh, I preached in that church building. Their pastor preached in our church building. We were on the same team, but we had different callings. And that calling can change over time. What ministry looks like in 2021 at Queen Street Baptist Church is not exactly the same as what ministry looked like in 1921. Things are different. Things have changed. Each generation has got to figure out what it is that God has called us to do. At some point, people in this congregation have felt called to minister to the downtown poor. At some point, people in this congregation have felt called to minister to newcomers to Canada. Uh, at some point, people in this church have felt called 
to reach out to people with disabilities. These are callings that have happened relatively recently, and we need to be always watching for God's call. What is the Holy Spirit saying to us? Uh, 2,000 years ago, there were some Jesus followers gathered together in Antioch, and they prayed. They prayed and they fasted that they were listening to God. The Holy Spirit spoke to them. Set aside Barnabas and Saul for the task that I have for them. That task was not to become super Christians. It wasn't to, to have a, a certain level of superiority. It was for them to fulfill a task, to go to the island of Cyprus and to do a work there. And they did it. They faced opposition, but they did it. We, as individuals, are called by God. Some of us are called to pastoral ministry, but I know that I am not the only person called to ministry in this church. I suspect every one of you are called to ministry. Some kind of ministry, maybe it's prayer, maybe it's hospitality, maybe it's encouragement, who knows what it is, but you have a calling, a ministry calling. Queen Street Baptist Church has a calling. We don't have to be like every other church in St. Catharines. What is God calling us to do? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to Queen Street Baptist Church? That's what we're responsible for. Our success as a congregation is not going to be how we compare to the church down the street. Our success will be based how faithful are we in God's calling. All God wants is for us to faithfully live out to the calling he has upon us as individuals and as a congregation. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you spoke to those Christians and that you called Barnabas and Saul. You had a role for them. We believe that you have a role for us as individuals and as a congregation. Uh, maybe we are very clear on what that is. We know exactly what we are supposed to do. Maybe we're trying to discern what that call is. And we believe that you are, are present in that discernment process. We pray that you would help us to hear your voice clearly. Help us to hear through the encouragement and the guidance of other trusted Christians around us. Help us to see where our gifts overlap with the needs that are around us. Help us to know what it is you would want us to do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.